if you read my Facebook uh, post, you saw that I kind of said exactly what I wanted to say, that uh, we do not want to operate out of a spirit of fear, but we do want to have wisdom. And we don't want to have our wisdom, we want to have God's wisdom, amen? So for the time being, we are going to continue on as usual, uh, but I will say we will have that. Uh, please stay with our uh, uh, Facebook page if you don't have that. You can go on there, uh, uh, Facebook, and it's just Landmark Baptist Church Tyler. You can like it, hit the thumbs up, and then you'll get all of the uh, all of the uh, updates and everything. So you can also give online through there. So uh, who knows uh, what we're looking at. Um, fear of the unknown is the greatest fear that we have. Uh, many times it's uh, the worst thing for us is to not know. And ironically, not ironically, I believe God was in it, but I had already chosen this subject weeks ago before all this started. And so I find it not ironic, but I find it a God thing that what I'm subject I'm going to talk about today has to do with exactly what we're dealing with today. And it is, what do we do when we can't control the situation? So your greatest fear, my greatest fear is that I can't control this. It's out of my control you know, the reason they say that many people have a fear of flying is not the actual flying. It's not the actual being up in the air. It's not the actual being in the plane. It's that somebody else is driving the plane, and they have no control over it. And so many fears are derived out of loss of control. I don't like it because I cannot control it. We like to control things in our life. That's human nature. Uh, everybody in here, I got good news for you and bad news. Good news is everybody in here, we're all control freaks to a certain degree. Amen. Uh, the bad news is some of you are a little worse than others. Amen. Uh, some want to control every little detail of their life. They like everything in their control. And when it gets out of their control, it drives them crazy. Amen. So, uh, but what I wanted to talk about today was we've been talking about choices. And so this week, again, even weeks ago was already decided surrender over control, that uh, we need to learn to surrender the things that we cannot control. Uh, there are just going to be some things in life that you've got to give to God, and you've got to have faith God can handle it. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, but I will tell you this. Many times when we want to control everything, it's because what it really is showing us is a lack of faith. We don't trust that God can really handle it. We like control because we, when we're in control, we feel like we are controlling it and we can dictate what's going on. But to really trust God and just surrender it to him, that's a really hard thing. It's an easy thing to say, a much harder thing to do. Amen. So if you would, uh, we're going to jump right in here. How many of you would say that in some area of your life, you want to be in control? Everybody in here, raise your hand. Come on now, amen. There's some area, amen. Now, it may not be every area, but there is at least one area that everybody wants to control, all right? Uh, and you may be on the, again, the opposite end of that, and you may want to control everything in your life. We're going to look at three things first, all right? Number one is work. How many of you like to be in control at work? Amen, all right? Good. I'm glad y'all are admitting some things, all right? Uh, at work, this is the way it can come across. You're going to do it my way. You're going to do it on my time. And if you don't do it right, I'm going to take it out of your hand. I'm going to do it myself. Amen? That's the way some people are. When it comes to a job, nobody else can do it right. Nobody else can do it as good as they can. So the easiest thing is just to say, move. Let me do it. You can't do it like I can do it. Amen? So we become control freaks at work. Anybody here work with somebody like that? <laughs> Anybody in here 
You are that somebody? Amen. All right. So we're just going to have confession time all morning. All right. So that's at work. We like to control things at work. The next thing, next place is at home. We like to control things at home. Now, moms, I'm not picking on you, but sometimes this is your area. Uh, the, the home is your domain. Amen. And everything has a place and everything has to be in its place. And you've got to vacuum exactly like I want you to vacuum. You've got to mop exactly like I want you to mop. You've got to uh, sweep the floors just like I want you to sweep. And you've got to do everything just like I said. Now, men, what is our domain? The lawn. The first time you let your son mow the lawn, you're going to have to just let go of it, ain't you? All right, man? Some men are so meticulous about their lawn, and it looks like a golf course. You ever seen those guys? Now, that is not me, amen? I don't even want to be out there. I'm just mowing it however I can get it done the quickest, amen? But some guys, they're out there, and they are mowing. I mean, you'd think they were going to play the Masters tournament on it, amen? They were just, the lines have to be straight, and it has to look like a golf course almost. So we get real controlled, and many men, I know, start off giving their, their 10, 11, 12-year-old son, they say, all right, son, it's time for you to learn to mow. They get out there and they do a couple of runs and dad's just like, move, get up, just go back inside, just go back inside, amen. Because it's never good enough. It's never up to our standards. Now, let me camp out here for a second. If you ever want to get anything done and not feel like you're always doing everything yourself, you're going to have to learn to let go of a little bit of control. If you want your, your son to learn to mow a lawn, you're probably going to have to let go of your perfectionistic attitude just a little bit, and you're going to have to let it just get mowed and just get it done. Teach him the best you can, but learn to just let it go and say he's doing the best he can. Moms, maybe you feel like nobody else does the laundry, nobody else folds the towels. Well, that may be because nobody does the laundry exactly like you want the laundry done, and nobody can fold the towels exactly how you like the towels folded, all right? I have a wife who has a little bit of a problem with this, amen? She likes the towels folded just a certain way. I don't mind folding the towels, but I'm usually not up to her standard. Amen. I'm picking on my wife because that's the only one I got. Amen. So uh, you can tell me your stories about your wife. But she likes the towels folded a certain way. She finally, though, after one time of realizing I'm sitting here folding the towels every time, she finally let it go a little bit and said, you know what? If you'll just fold them, if they'll just get folded, I'll, I won't look at them. All right. I'll just stick them. I'll stick them in the cabinet without looking at them. Amen. <laughs> and so you just got to let go of it sometimes. All right. All right, then the last part is people, all right? We like to control people. Anybody know somebody who micromanages? Now, we've talked about good bosses and bad bosses. The key component of a bad boss usually is that they micromanage everybody. Ever worked for somebody like that? They want to control everything. They've always got you under their thumb, and nothing is ever good enough, and they are always on top of you. They can't just let you do your job. They have to stay on top of you, looking over your shoulder, micromanaging you, all right? Uh, many people learn in the workplace to manipulate people. Anybody here ever been manipulated by anybody? They are manipulated. They're playing mind games with you, or they're, they're doing things that just are messing you up. Uh, many people become very good and professional manipulators. People who want to get their way, and they learn to kind of go around the side way to get it, and they manipulate you to get you to do what they want you to do. Uh, many people, it can even get to the point of threatening people, all right? Uh, maybe, you know, somebody's saying, you know what, if you don't do a good enough job, they're going to get rid of you. Or maybe it is the boss, and they say, you got to do this, or we're going to get rid of you. And it's a, uh, it's a, people become a taskmaster, amen? Now, 
one, th- one of the things we talked about between a good boss and a bad boss, a good boss is the one who won't just tell you to go do something and then micromanage you and threaten you and manipulate you. A good boss is the one who'll say, hey, y'all come help me with this. And he gets right down there in the middle of you and he shows you how to do it by getting down there in the middle of you and doing it. That's a good boss, right? The bad boss is the one who says, do it this way, puts a chart up, shows you exactly how to do it, and he is watching over your shoulder, and he's manipulating you, and he is micromanaging you to say, do it exactly this way. And he's not lifting a finger to help. He's simply there to criticize. Ever ever heard that? Now, let me say this. I don't want to step on anybody's toes here. Uh, But not only bosses can do that. Who else can do that? Spouses can do that. They can manipulate, they can threaten, they can uh, micromanage their spouse, and they can, uh, it's a good way to ruin a marriage. Most marriages don't end, and I've done a lot of marital counseling, most marriages don't end over one major thing. Most marriages end over 20, 30 years of hundreds of little things, just little manipulations, little mind games, little things that are said to wound and to hurt. Um, a lot of a lot of marriages, people play mind games for years and years and years, and eventually it takes its toll, doesn't it? Amen. All right. So uh, the reality is that whenever we're trying to control something that's not ours to control, what it is is a reflection of a bigger spiritual problem. We want to control because we feel like I know what's best, and really, what you want to do is you want to play God. I want to play God with many things in my life. I feel like. Now, God, let me tell you, here's my plan, and God, here's, I know you told me this is your will, but here's my plan for making it happen. And many times we want to lay the plan out to God, and God the whole time is just shaking his head saying, no, that's, that's not the plan at all. I've got the plan for you. You've got to surrender your plan, surrender your will, surrender what you want, and you've got to let me be in control. You see, God is not um, satisfied to sit in the passenger seat. He wants to drive. And that's a really hard thing for you and I. But again, he's a king, not a beggar. So here's what God will do. God will start off by giving you the keys. And he'll say, here's the keys, Mark. Now, at this point, I have a choice. I can either say, well, you know, God, you know a heck of a lot better where we're headed, and you know where we're going, and you know where we're eventually going to end up. So you know what, God? I think you ought to drive. I have that option to give him back the keys and say, you know what, Lord? I think you know a lot better than I do. So why don't you get over here and drive, and I'll sit in the passenger seat. But God doesn't force that on us. He gives us the keys, and then it's our choice. And many times we take those keys and we say, Lord, I know the best way there. Amen? My dad was famous. My mom and I kind of make fun of My dad was famous for his shortcuts. Amen? Any other men in here famous for your shortcuts? Amen? The shortcuts that take you 20, 20 minutes longer around the way. Amen? And so uh, that's kind of what we do with God. Oh, God, I, I know the shortcut. I know the best way. And we think we need to keep the keys. And we say, God, you sit over there. God, we're going to have a good trip, but I'm going to drive. And that's the way many of us live our life. We want to drive because we don't mind God. But we want God there with us. We want God in the car with us. We want God in the passion. We want him real close. We just don't feel like he can quite handle it the way we can handle it. And so we say, Lord, I'm going to drive. And you know what? The Lord, again, he's a gentleman. He will not do anything. He will just sit there and he will say, okay, let's go. And the Lord will let you drive around and get lost. He'll let you wander off into the bushes and the brambles. And he'll let you get in the parts of the neighborhood you never should have been in. He will let you do all that because he's a gentleman. 
And he wants you to submit to him because you love him and you admit that you know he knows what's best. Amen? All right. So, I know better than God. Do you really? I don't think so. One of the most popular but most challenging scriptures is this next scripture. And probably everybody in here knows it. It is Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 6. I've got it memorized. If you don't have it memorized, this is one you need to memorize because this is kind of a life verse. It says this. I want you to pay attention. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? How much of your heart? Okay. So that right off the bat, if you really pay attention to it, that's pretty heavy. Trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And then the second part, we just kind of glance right over it, but it's the most important part. And lean not on your what? Own understanding. Lean not on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And the next verse says this, and then the promise comes on the next verse. Go ahead. But in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Now, this verse right here, this is the verse that's saying it without saying it. This ver- you know what this verse is saying right here? This verse is saying, look over here. I'm over here. I know it's easy to get distracted. Back over here. Squirrel. All right. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. You know what this verse is saying? Let him drive. Let him drive. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. He knows where you're going. He knows your future. He knows the best path for you. He knows the best road for you to be on. He knows the best highway. He knows the quickest route. He's better than any GPS. Amen? So let him drive. Let him drive. Amen? All right. So um, the more we're afraid, the more we try to control. It is a cycle of fear. Do you get it? The more we're afraid... The more we try to control, it is a cycle of fear. Now, here's what happened. I'm going to give you this. Control gone bad. Go to the next slide. Control gone bad. What does that mean? I'm going to give you a story. Again, many of you may have heard this story before, and it is the story of Abraham and Sarah. You remember that little story? It's from Genesis chapter 16, verses 1 through 4. Abraham and Sarah, God had promised them that they were going to be, uh, Abraham, he'd promised him he was going to be the father of many nations, and it was going to start with one child. So Abraham and Sarah say, okay, all right, God, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and as what happens many times, God is not moving fast enough for Abraham and Sarah. You ever been there? God, I know you're in control, but God, you're moving way too slow for me. God, I want you to be doing something now. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Amen. And so they got tired of waiting. So as many people do, Sarah comes up with her own plan. Well, God, I know you're in control, but God, I'm going to help you along here. You're not moving fast enough for me, so I'm going to help you along. So it says this in verse 1. It says, now Sarah, uh, Abram's wife, was born, uh, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Even the name sounds evil, doesn't it? Eh? Even the name sounds like trouble, amen? Uh, whose name was Hagar. So Sarah said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid, and perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarah. Then Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and she gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. 
after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress became despised in her eyes. Okay? So Sarah takes, takes control of the situation, and she says, God's not moving fast enough. So she comes up with this brilliant plan. You know what? We got this maidservant. She's a real pretty little thing over here. I'm going to let my husband sleep with our maid. And we're going to let her bear a child because obviously I can't bear children. We're going to let her bear a child and maybe that, and we'll raise that child and that will be the one that God has for us. And the whole time that's going on, what do you think God's doing? He's up there shaking his head. Oh, Lord, this is going to go real bad sideways. And I'm going to show you how sideways it went. So Hagar gets pregnant. Hagar has a child. It causes chaos. This one bad decision causes chaos for centuries, and whether you know it or not, it is still a major chaos right now. Chaos for centuries. So Hagar has a child. You know what his name is? Ishmael. All right? Ishmael. Then, guess what happens after Sarah messes it up? God says, okay, now you're going to see the way I do it. And God lets her get pregnant, and she has a son named Isaac. So we have these two kids, Ishmael, who was born out of, out of the will of God, and Isaac, who was born perfectly in the will of God. Now, let's do a little history lesson. Some of you don't like history, but you're going to get some anyway, all right? Ishmael, you know what his lineage is? Out of Ishmael comes the Palestinians, and then out of the Palestinians comes Mohammed. Sound familiar? So you have the Palestinians, and you have Mohammed, and you have that lineage. And then out of Isaac, you have the Jewish nation, and you have literally, it leads into our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So out of the chaos, out of the bad decision, comes Ishmael, which is the Palestinians that are still fighting to this day with the Jews over the Holy Land. And there is war and there is war, and there is war. They've been fighting over that land for centuries and centuries, killing one another, and they will continue to fight over that land. This has caused chaos for centuries. One bad decision can run right down the line. And the question still remains in Israel today, should we serve Mohammed or should we serve Jesus Christ? And they are warring to this day over that. One bad decision can follow you around for centuries. That's a, that's a hard thing to take, isn't it? Uh, centuries later, there is still the tension between the Palestinians and the Jews and the tension of do we follow Muhammad or do we follow Jesus Christ. All right, next slide. It says this, don't compromise to feel in control. What is the mistake that Sarah made? The mistake that Sarah made was she compromised her morals. She knew what was right. She knew what was right was to wait on God and do it the right way. But she said, you know what? I'm going to make my husband, I'm going to literally influence my husband to do the wrong thing. To go in here and sleep with this lady and get her pregnant so that I can have what I want. She compromised her morals to feel in control. Can I tell you that's the worst mistake you can make? Don't ever compromise your morals. Don't ever compromise anything in your life to feel in control. You want some examples? Let me give you some. Ladies that want to be married, and you say, I'm waiting on that Christian man, but I sure am tired of waiting. 
you know, this guy over here, you know, well, he'll come to church once a year with me if I ask him. Uh, you know, says he's a Christian. Doesn't really, no fruit in his life that really proves it. But man, he sure is good looking. Man, he sure smells good. And man, he sure tells me the right things and says the right things. And so what do we do many times, young ladies, Christian young ladies that have your whole Christian life ahead of you? Many times we compromise. We say, you know what, I'll just settle. He's not really Christian. I really don't know that he's the, the strongest or the, the guy that God has for me. But guess what? He's a guy, and he's here right now, and he'll do. Sometimes it's just whatever's here right now. And can I tell you, that's the worst mistake you can make. Wait on God. Wait upon the Lord. Time and time again, that's the command. Wait upon the Lord. You will not regret it if you do. Talk to some ladies. Talk to some ladies that waited, and they will tell you, you will never regret it. Talk to some ladies who didn't wait, and they will say, it was trouble from day one, and I regret it. It was the hardest decision, worst decision I ever made. Just get some advice from a godly woman. Amen. Um, finances. I'm totally in debt. I'm up to my eyeballs in credit card debt, student loans, whatever it is. And you say, you know, I know God wants to be in control of my finances. I know that I need to tithe, but I just can't right now. And I need to pay these bills, and I like shopping too much, so I keep running that credit card up. It, I can't ever catch up because I just keep, I, I like to shop. And so, Lord, I hope you understand. I know it's what you want me to do, but I just can't do it right now. And we compromise. Don't compromise to feel like we're in control. I've told you this many times, and many people in here would tell you the greatest testimony to tithing is it never works out on paper, and it better be the first fruits. It needs to be the first check you write because it will never make sense, and it will never work until it becomes the first fruits and the first check you write. And then God miraculously somehow sends enough to take care of everything else. Uh, if you try to do it backwards, it never seems to work. God says, trust me first, and I'll show you. I'll test me, try me, and I'll prove it. All right? And then uh, work. You go to work and you wonder why you're doing all the work and why you're wearing yourself out and you're burning the candle at both ends. And maybe it's because you won't delegate at work. Maybe it's because you're a control freak at work. Maybe it's because nobody at work likes you and you don't even realize it because you are a control freak and you, are, you won't delegate anything. You just say, move, get out of the way. And we end up putting everybody in. And instead of just letting it go and saying, let somebody else learn how to do it. Listen, if you tell somebody, if you bring somebody along and you say, I want you to learn how to do this. If I tell Autumn, Autumn, I want you to come and I want you to learn how to do this. Watch me and learn how to do it. The only way she's ever going to learn how to do it is if I finally say, here, you try it and then back off and let her learn. And letting her learn means letting her make mistakes, letting her learn to do it the wrong way before she does it the right way. That's the only way she's going to learn. But people who are control freaks never give anybody a chance to learn. And that's why they end up wearing themselves out and wondering, why am I the one doing all the work? It may be because you made it that way. Amen? Uh, so learn to let it go, all right? Parenting. Uh, helicopter parents. Anybody know what a helicopter parent is? Anybody in here got helicopter parents? Amen. No. Uh, so a helicopter parent is the one that hovers, hovers around all the time. Amen. And sometimes on parenting, and I, I'm telling you this, parents, as a somebody who raised some kids, this is this is hard to do. 
Because you have to, it's in the same instance that I, I made with Autumn uh, teaching her something at work. It's the same way of letting your kid learn to become an adult. You have to let it go a little bit and release, let some rope out so that your kid give them a little bit of room to make mistakes so they can learn how to be an adult. Much of learning how to be an adult is doing it the wrong way the first time. Can I get an amen? Much of what I learned was by learning to do it wrong time and time again, and then I finally learned how to do it the right way. But guess what? Sometimes parents are there, and uh, maybe this is your situation. Their kid gets in trouble over and over and over again, never learns to be a responsible adult, ends up in prison, ends up getting in trouble, ends up can't seem to adult right, and it's because mom and dad always bail them out. Sound familiar? Either you've got it in your family or it's your family. Everybody in here has experienced it. If you constant, Parents, if you constantly don't let your kids learn to make a mistake and you, you're just going to bail your kids out every time, your kid will stay in that situation. I know many people that their kids, it's just a vicious cycle. Out of prison, back in prison. Out of prison, back in prison. DUIs, drug charges, it's just a constant cycle. And mom and dad have never let them learn from that lesson because they just have, they bailed them out every single time. And then their kids end up being 40, 50 years old, and they can't ever get out of that cycle. That's a hard thing. Now, parents, you've got to learn to let it go enough to let your kids make a mistake. Don't. Don't bail them out every time. That's the worst thing you do. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just say, you know what? You got yourself in prison. You need to spend a few nights in there. Maybe it'll show you enough you don't want to go back. Amen. And I'm saying that as a parent, knowing that's an extremely hard thing. That's an extremely hard thing to do. But guess what? Sometimes it's the best thing we can do. All right? I never would have learned a lot of things in my life if I had not failed at them 100 times. Sometimes the best way to learn is you got to fail at it a hundred times first and then get it right. All right. All right. I want to ask you to do something. Next slide. I want you to think about, and I want you to name what you're trying to control. Now, again, some of you, the list may be too long. If you're a control freak, you're trying to control everything in life, but for everybody in here, it's at least one thing. So I want you to think about it and I want you to give it a name. What are you trying to control? Am I trying to control my dating life? Am I trying to control my finances? Uh, if you're a parent, am I trying to control my kids? Am I trying to control my work, uh, everything at work? Am I trying to control what is it that is you struggle with that you're trying to control? And then I want you to kind of keep that in your mind, all right? Um, next slide. Choose to surrender. Trust God rather than control. So to quote the famous uh, Christian film, Frozen, anyone know what the favorite song out of Frozen is? Let it go. There's a lot of things in life that we need to, now that is not a religious song, but I'm here to tell you the theme of that is very true. There's a lot of things in our life we need to let go and we need to say, God, you can handle this a lot better than you can, and I need to let it go. I need to quit worrying about it, I need to quit giving it to you and then taking it back. I need to let it go. Choose to surrender it. Listen, coronavirus. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Listen, many of you are scared to death, and the main reason you're scared to death is because this is out of our control. This is something where all I can really tell you is pray, pray, and then pray some more because God's in control of this one. Amen? He is in control. And we need to pray, pray, pray. Now, listen, 
There's some things you can do. I'm not saying be lazy and don't be proactive. The things that you can do, and I would say it's the same way of why we decided to go ahead and have service this morning. Your responsibility is do the things you know to do. We got hand sanitizers out. We got Clorox wops all over the place. Uh, do the things you know to do. Be steadfast. Be, uh, do the things, and I'm not saying be without wisdom. Do those things. But, again, we can't just lock ourselves up in fear either. We've got to trust God that God's in control of this. God's got this. I'm not one to want to try to promote spreading it. I'm going to do the best things I can to not spread it. But guess what? I'm not just going to become a recluse in my house and just stop living. Amen? Uh, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of victory and of a sound mind. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right. So um, let's go, and this we'll wrap it up here. Uh, three questions that will help you choose surrender over control. Number one, is it worth my concern? In other words, pick your battles. There are things in your life, um, you know, maybe you'd say, it's very, this is very important to me, okay? All right, maybe so. But you know what? There's a whole lot of things that it is not worth you worrying so much about. Amen. Especially if you can't control it. By worrying, who's going to add any time to their life by worrying? Nobody. All right. So guess what? Is it worth my concern? If you can do something about it, then yes. If not, don't worry about it. All right. You've got to pick your battles and other things. You've got to let them go. All right. Number two, is it mine to control? Now, some things you can control. If you want to, if you want to get a better job and you want to go back to school and get a degree, who's who, who's in control of that? You are. You got to say, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna find a way to go back to school, get my degree, so I can get a better job and better myself. All right. If you want to uh, be better at work, then you need to be a better employee and you need to work harder. Uh, be the first one in and the last one out every time. Can you? Yes, you can control that. Is it mind? There are some things in your life. Can you be a better husband? Yes. Can you be a better wife? Yes. Can you be a better parent? Yes. And you need to be proactive to do those things, all right? But let, guess what? There are a ton of things in life that you cannot control. And it's not yours to control. It's God's to control. The coronavirus and what's going to happen and where the future is over the next few weeks, months, years, whatever, that's in God's hands. And you know what? You need to pray, and I need to pray. And we're going to end today with a time of prayer, and I believe I cannot encourage you enough that that is the best thing you can do right now. Pray, 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 and then pray some more because this is God's. This is God's, amen? And God's in control, and he can do things that you and I cannot even begin to touch, amen? So we need to pray, all right? And then number three, is it for God alone? Do we need to completely give it to God, all right? Um, if it is, if it's yours to control, do something about it. If it's not surrendering control is not the same as relinquishing responsibility. If you have a responsibility to be a better husband, a better father, a better, uh, wife, a better mother, uh, a better teenager, then do the things to do that. But don't, don't go beyond that. Anything that's outside of that control, do the things you can do and then give the rest to God. All right. So we're going to give you this last scripture out of Philippians, and I believe Julie already uh, quoted some of it, but it is uh, verses 6 and 7, and it says this, Be anxious for 
What? Be anxious for what? What does nothing mean? Nothing. Amen. Be anxious for nothing. Now, if it just stopped there, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. But listen to what the second part says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by what? Prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to who? To God. All right. Then verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Amen. Listen. Go back to the uh, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Would you like for this whole thing to be over with, this whole scare to be over with? Sure. We all would. Every one of us in here, we need to let that request be made known to God. The most powerful thing, the most powerful weapon you and I have is prayer. But unfortunately, many times it is the last, it's our last go-to. We want to worry, worry, worry some more, talk to all our friends, read all the Facebook, read 12,000 different opinions on whether it's uh, to, uh, hysteria or whether it's all granted and who's, who's responsible, whose fault is it. Does any of that really matter? And none of that matters. God is in control. Amen. And so the greatest thing you and I can do is quit all that other stuff and just pray, 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 pray. You know, somebody said it in Sunday school, I believe Kelly said it, what an opportunity to share the gospel right now. What an opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus right now and to show people, amen, that God is in control. Um, give, it, give me the next, uh, after that one, yeah. Now, somebody saw this earlier, and it was, it was up, and they said they thought that was the title of the message. It's just part of it, all right? <laughs> so here we go. Can you change your spouse? <laughs> Boy, that was definite, amen? No. Can you change your spouse? I've lived with my spouse. I've lived with this woman right here. How many years, Julie? She. Uh, <laughs> that's good. It will be 35. When? July 20th. Amen. All right. I've lived with this woman almost 35 years. I cannot change her. I cannot make her do what I want her to do. I can't do anything with her. Believe me, I've tried. I've tried to do something with her, amen? And she's tried to do something with me. You do not have the power as a human being to change anybody. Can God change your spouse? Yes, definitely. How does that happen? Pray, 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 pray. You mean nag, 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 nag? No. You mean tell them how, what a sorry individual they are and how sorry they are and how I could have married the other guy down the road and how my life would have been so much better? No, that's not what I said. Pray, pray, pray. Look like Jesus to them, and that might change them. Well, I don't want, that's no fun. I don't want to do that. I'd rather nag. Amen? All right, let's go to the next one. Can you heal your loved one who's sick? Can we heal anybody that's... Got the coronavirus? No. Can God heal them? Can God heal your loved one? Can God heal anybody that's sick right now? Yes. Do you think it might be pertinent to pray for that person? 
pray, 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 and then pray some more because God can do something that I cannot do. All right? And then last but not least, can you control your kid's failure or your kid's future? No. Can God control your kid's failure or their future? Where your kids end up. Parents, I wish I could give you a magic formula for that we could all raise perfect children and they'd all turn out to be little mini Billy Grahams. Amen. But there ain't no formula. Greatest thing you can do for your kids is live it in front of them and pray, pray, pray like you've never prayed before. Pray like you've never prayed before. Having kids will do amazing things for your prayer life. Amen, parents? It will. So pray, pray, pray some more, all right? And the last slide is this. When you follow Jesus, you're not going to be in control. That's one of the key components of following Jesus is you're not in control. He is. It's surrendering. You know what the word Lord means? When people called him Lord, what does that mean? That means, Lord, you're Lord over me. I'm your servant. I'm your slave, literally. And, Lord, I'm not in control. You say jump. I say how high. You say go here. I don't say, well, why? I say, yes, sir, right away, sir. When you follow Jesus, you have relinquished all your rights. He is in control. Amen. If you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Father, would you have your will and your way in this place? I pray that, God, you would move in an incredible way. And I just pray this morning, if you, uh, you're here and you would say, Brother Mark, I'm not sure about my salvation. I'm not sure. Uh, maybe you need to recommit your life. Maybe you've never prayed and asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. This is a great time to do it today. Uh, so I just want to lead you in a prayer. Just say this in your heart and your mind. Say, Dear Jesus, I admit that I'm a sinner. And Lord, right now, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Wash all my sins in the blood. I believe you died on that cross for me. And so today, I make you Lord of my life. Lord, you're in control. I give you complete control. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today as a prayer of recommitment or you prayed it for the first time, would you just slip up a hand so I can pray for you? I'm not going to embarrass you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, you've seen these hands. I pray that, God, this would be a serious time. Lord, may we just pray for one another, pray for each other. Lord, we pray for your power over everything that's going on in our world right now. Lord, over the coronavirus, every, over every germ, over everything that's going on in this world, you are the God of all of it, Lord. And so we give it all to you. Have your will and your way during this time. In Jesus' name, amen.